how much more racist you can be than what Donald Trump has provided and continues to provide. He is a racist. He is a bigot. Donald Trump is a racist who utilizes racism as a political currency. I'm going to take the privilege of speaking for all black people. I couldn't be more offended by that statement. These comparisons are sick and grotesque. What we just heard is so unbelievably racist, but also problematic for a democracy. That man should never be president of the United States again. Get lost, all of you. The left-wing fake news, they never stop. The word racism actually means nothing now. If everything is racist, then nothing is racist. A racist is, is basically a, another way to say jerk. It means nothing. This is all over the past two, three days. They're all upset about what Donald Trump said, which was not racist at all. Shall we? Let's take a look at what started it all. I got indicted a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And a lot of people said that that's why the black people like me, because they have been hurt so badly and discriminated against. And they actually viewed me as I'm being discriminated against. It's, it's been pretty amazing. But it possibly, I don't know, maybe there's something there. How is this racist? Hmm? Think about it. Like, look, there are people, white people, we're encouraged to never say anything about race. Only left-wing white people can talk about race. But no, we can all talk about race. We can all talk about the 2020 summer of Black Lives Matter summer, then Black Lives Matter fall and Black Lives Matter spring and, and Black Lives Matter country. And I kept on hearing about institutional racism. And well, I could totally understand that a huge segment of society has come to believe that the deck is stacked against them. And when they see somebody else getting arrested by that system, as we saw in the famous mugshot, just maybe, just maybe it's not going to go the way that they had in mind. You know what I mean? The people who arrested Donald, they never could have imagined this kind of blowback. Next. Black conservatives understand better than most that some of the greatest evils in our nation's history have come from corrupt systems that try to target and subjugate others to deny them their freedom and to deny them their rights. You understand that? I think that's why the black people are so much on my side now because they see what's happening to me happens to them. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It does. Look, I don't think law enforcement is institutionally racist. We have had something of an unfortunate history in this country. And we do have groups that are disadvantaged for a number of reasons. And I could totally see someone who felt marginalized and prosecuted and persecuted by the government connecting with Donald Trump about, yeah, the mugshot. Hey, don't take it from me. Let's, uh, let's hear from some folks. In many ways, the experience of black men in the criminal justice system is unique. The most noticeable difference is that they are impacted more adversely than any other demographic in the United States. Black disproportion in prisons is due to criminal justice racism. Black males are sentenced by federal court almost 20% longer than white males who had similar convictions. All right, so there are a lot of complex reasons for what's going on in America, some gross oversimplifications, but that's out there. People talk about it. And one more time with that mugshot, can you see folks taking a look and reevaluating 
people who have perhaps felt like they have been marginalized and over-prosecuted by the government. I totally get it. Hey, can we look at some mugshots? All the best people have mugshots. Elvis Presley. Uh, let's see here. Who else do we have? Uh, ooh, Bill Gates. What did he do? I don't know. Keep going, please. Uh, having a mugshot is not exactly a big strike against you. Some of the biggest figures in all of human history have been arrested, now including Donald Trump. And you know what? He's taking it in stride, and he has every right to maximize the political benefit of getting locked up. When I did the mugshot in Atlanta, you know that mugshot is number one. Elvis Presley is... Elvis Presley's number two, and Frank Sinatra's. They, they had Frank Sinatra for fighting, and they had Elvis for, I don't know, something in a gas station. He tried to hold up a gas station. I don't know. Something. Elvis. So Elvis is number two, but he was always number one. My, my, the mugshot, we've all seen the mugshot. And you know who embraced it more than anybody else? The black population. It's incredible. You see black people walking around with my mugshot. You know, they do shirts, and they sell them for $19 a piece. It's pretty amazing. Millions. By the way, millions of these things have been sold. Hey, is that true about Elvis Presley? Did he hold up a gas station? I think he was just he was just wondering uh, something happened. Let's look at the data, though. Uh, we have for Donald Trump record numbers of young black men indicating that they are prepared to vote for a Republican this November. Twenty six percent of the black vote. A Republican has not seen this, I think, maybe since Abraham Lincoln. <sighs> things are wild, and things have a way of working out. God has a sense of humor. Next, please. Today in South Carolina, we're getting around 40% of the vote. Yeah! I'm going to count it. Uh -huh. I know 40% is not 50%. <laughs> but I also know 40% is not some tiny group. There's something wrong with this person. She lost in a landslide. 20 points. 40% is not some tiny group. Uh, yeah, politically speaking, in an election, it is. When's the last time we had anybody win something by 20 points? Uh, Nikki, this is it. And the people get it. You don't, but the people do. When she posts stuff on Twitter, like what she just said, she actually put that statement on her Twitter. I love what the people say. The people get it. You lost your home state by 30 points. You Liz Cheney wannabe. Ouch! Oh, that's good. I, I, people are so funny. Give me another one, please. Give me another one. Hmm. The most important number, Nikki, is zero. That's the number of states you have won. None. Zilch. Nada. I love it. Give me another one, please. Let's take a look. Nikki, I'm not an accountant, but you've lost 100% of the primaries. Yet she's still going. Is she? She can't. She can't for much longer. She looks unhinged, quite frankly. You know, she never really talks about what she brings to the table. She just trash talks Trump like this. Every time he's talking about defending himself in court, he's not talking about getting our economy back on track. He's not talking about closing the border. He's not talking about how we're going to get our kids reading again and getting us focused again. He's not talking about law and order. That's the problem is he's not talking about what the American people want. 
be quiet for a moment and watch a Trump rally. It's all he talks about. Yeah, he talks about defending himself in court. He has to. We're all kind of in on that one. We don't want that happening to normal people. But he talks about the issues all the time. Her lack of integrity, I think, is what's coming through. And, I mean, the people are responding. They have her figured out. Take a look at Donald Trump in victory on Saturday night. Notice anything? Surrounded by people. Surrounded by supporters. Let's take a look at Nikki on the same night. I mean, that's i uh, I've never seen anything quite like that. And every time she goes up by herself, almost, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe she's the narcissist. And something else happens. Donald Trump does something I've never seen another politician do. When he wins, he shares the credit, even on a big night, like victory night. I had the support of somebody much, much better, Henry McMaster, and we won in a landslide. And I'd like to ask the governor to say a few words, please. Henry. Thank you, Mr. President. I'll be very brief. But I want to say a very special man. I, I really do mean it. So many people have such great respect for him, and you're very lucky to have him in the state. Tim, please, say a few words. Hello, South Carolina! I love him. He's a good man. Come up here, Lindsay. Come up here, Lindsay. <laughs> Politicians thank people, but to invite them up the night you won and say a few words, Nikki doesn't do that. Nobody does that. It's just look up any politician in the history of politics. Mitt Romney, when he wins, it's all it was all about Mitt, all right, and his hair and his bearing and his slimness. Obama never, never invites anybody up there. Keep going, please. And these are just. You know, we, we could find a lot more examples. Never guest speakers, Republicans and Democrats alike. Back to um, Nikki. She did say that South Carolina was like kind of make or break at one point, didn't she? Now we're going into South Carolina. We need to be stronger than what we did in New Hampshire. And so that's certainly what we need to do. Okay, uh, she lost even worse than in New Hampshire. So what is she doing? She's sticking around. Look at those results. Look at those results. Hey, Nikki Haley remains a fake news favorite. And one of the people who facilitates her conversation is somebody I call the queen of fake news, Kristen Welker. She is a piece of work. Wow. You know what they're afraid of, especially these Sunday morning hosts? Their audience. A lot of leftists, a lot of weirdos, and they are so keyed up. If you don't tow their party line... They're going to say all kinds of things on Twitter. It rolls off my back, but with these folks, whoo, it's everything to them. Um, take a look at this. Let me ask you about Russia as it relates to our next election. As you know, the intelligence community has said that in 2016 and 2020, Russia interfered in the United States presidential elections. Are there concerns or is there even evidence that Russia is planning to interfere in the 2024 election, Jake? <laughs> Here we go again, right? 2016, 2020. And these are all debunked. 2016, Strzok, Page, Steele, the Mueller report. He had dragged it on for two years, but it, there was no collusion. There was no Russia collusion. 
Russia spent $150,000 on some Facebook ads, and it had nothing to do with the Trump campaign. What did they say in 2020? The laptop of Hunter Biden was Russia disinformation. Remember the letter that the intelligence community put out? Declaring that it was Russia disinformation? Can you believe it? 51 guys came forward and signed the thing and gave Joe Biden a talking point on the big debate night? There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly it. what, is this that's where exactly going? what This is told. where he's going. The laptop right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia? I want to stay on the issue of race. He she wants to stay on the issue. It happened to be Kristen Welker <laughs> moderating. More on that moment in a bit. Five former heads of the Central Intelligence Agency said that Hunter Biden's laptop was from Russia. Remember that the next time the intelligence community tells us anything, anything. And here we are in 2024. Now, what's happening this time around regarding Russia? Uh, not much, except it looks like they are trying to create this myth that Russia wants Donald Trump elected all over again. Alexander Smirnov arrested. This is a confidential human source the FBI has been using for decades. What did he do wrong? Well, you've heard from somebody that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden may have been taking $5 million in bribes. Look, it's in an FBI form this guy is a source they've used for many, many years, and it makes a lot of sense that Zlochevsky, a guy from Ukraine, told the confidential human source Smirnov that he heard this stuff, and Smirnov has been arrested because he said something totally plausible about this guy and money to the Bidens. Incredible. And there's been no accountability. Why wouldn't they try again? 2016, nothing bad happened to the press. 2020, nothing bad happened to the FBI. And here we go again. Leave it to Vivek. Remember this moment? Chris, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. A big smile. A big smile. They made it up in 2016. They were willing dupes of the FBI and the deep state and Adam Schiff. And they're smiling about it. And they're doing it all again. And why not? They didn't pay a price the first time around. All right. This person as well. I, my jaw dropped when I was watching the Sunday shows. You know, we went through that Robert Herb report in detail. And here she is wildly, catastrophically mischaracterizing that report. We know to, that doesn't have, make any sense at all. I have to hit the all. pause button for one minute, Congressman, because the her report was very clear sure. that there was not enough evidence to bring charges against President Biden and that ultimately there President, was not enough. That is what the her report said. Congressman, that is exactly what the her report said. Yes, it is. The, the it said that there wasn't Act is enough, clear. The there wasn't enough evidence to bring charges. You cannot charges. possess those, those documents.
Okay. She's wrong about what that her report said. The her report that looked into the documents, you know, in Joe Biden's garage and elsewhere, right? The classified top secret stuff all over the place. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's afraid of the liberal mob. She wouldn't put it up on the screen what the her report said. Well, I will, okay? The her report determined that Joe Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. That is a categorical statement. They're not quibbling, folks about not enough evidence or information, right? No, uh, they had plenty of evidence. The problem for the prosecutors, and I, I have no problem with this, they talked about the jury and could they convince a jury? Basically, a jury might feel sorry for Joe Biden, all right? A jury might believe his defense. A jury might be fooled by the, I'm just a nice old man, you know, come on, I was just forgetful. They're talking about the jury. They have the evidence, but is a jury going to buy it? It's a big difference. Totally mischaracterized. But what do we expect from Meet the Press, the longest-running show on television? Let's try Meet the DNC, right? Because that's how they kind of carry. How about this? Let's just call it the good old Meet the Fake News. And get over yourselves. You're just a TV show. When Kristen Welker became the whatever host of this show, I mean, it's like she got back from Mars solo. I also want to recognize all of the women, all of the people of color who've been pathfinders to make this moment possible, as well as all of the journalists who've mentored me along the way. When my colleague Andrea Mitchell applied for her first job at a news radio station in Philadelphia in 1967, she was told the newsroom was no place for a woman. Well, she talked them into hiring her for the overnight shift. I'm here because she and other fearless women never stopped fighting for their places in the newsroom. Now, all five Sunday shows are moderated or co-moderated by women. So to Martha, Margaret, Dana, and Shannon, I am incredibly honored to join you on Sunday mornings. Ay, 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 ay. Again, Martha, Margaret, Dana, Shannon, get over yourselves. You know, everybody has a story, right? Everybody has been told, no, you can't do this. First time I talked about going on TV to somebody, they said, you really shouldn't. You need surgery on your jaw. They didn't like the way my mouth moved. Seriously. They said, don't, don't, don't be a lawyer, be a, be, a, be a pilot. You can't do this. All right. So whatever. What difference does it make? And women, a woman invented the show. She makes it sound like she's some sort of pioneer. The very first person to host the show was a woman. And you know what? She didn't make a big deal about it. As long as the press of America is free, America will be free. And what we have tried to do is to bring the press conference, the heart of our free press, to the whole nation. Let us never forget that information belongs to the American people. And it is that information which Meet the Press has been trying to bring each week in the homes of the American people. An informed public means a strong republic, and Meet the Press is dedicated to that cause. Margaret Roundtree, I believe her name. What a, what a strong, great journalist, right? Information, not spin, not holding things, not lying to the audience. Those were the good old days. I'll be right back. IVF, in vitro fertilization. Been around for years, 
but it's been in the news a lot. Look, I think in vitro fertilization is fantastic. It's a miracle, really. Everything's a miracle, including in vitro fertilization. The egg, the spermatozoa, and they fuse in a Petri dish or in a test tube, and <laughs> an embryo is created, and that embryo can be, well, uh, inserted into the mother, and uh, a baby results. That's pretty great. Now, uh, Alabama passed a, uh, well, there was a Supreme Court decision, uh, the Alabama Supreme Court. They ruled embryos are considered children. This does have some implications for the in vitro fertilization, I guess, industry. A lot of the people who are pro-IVF say that this is bad, but I am pro-IVF, and I do believe, I agree with the Alabama Supreme Court that embryos are children. Absolutely. Take a look at this. <laughs> Annalise on the left, Madeline on the right. Annalise is four, Madeline is two. Both conceived through IVF. Yep, we did IVF. And uh, very grateful that it worked out. And when they were just embryos, guess what? I considered them children. Let's take a look. I mean, that girl came from that little, little tiny cell, or two cells, or three cells, or, and I don't know, I, I really thought every step of the way during the IVF process that the embryo was my future child, our future child. For instance, at one point in the process, I had to, me personally, had to deliver the embryo in a special case, that case, from the clinic where they actually, you know, brought it together, the sperm and the egg, and then I had to bring it across town to the doctor. And I took this picture in the back of a cab. I really felt that that was a human being in there, and it was a privilege to make the trip. And now I, I just think back, you know, just the, the, these beautiful girls that we have were in that suitcase, kind of, right? It, it's awesome. It's awesome to consider. I know not everybody's going to see it my way, but that's how I see it, and I want those embryos preserved. The embryos, you know, there are people who will adopt them if the folks don't need them. Now, we needed every single one to make these two beautiful children, but I think the Alabama Supreme Court is on to something. All right, next, the Eighth Amendment. You know, we hear about the Eighth Amendment really as it applies to the death penalty. You know, uh, no cruel and unusual punishment at the bottom there. But what about excessive fines? Yeah, they imposed Donald Trump with, uh, I would call, 454-something million dollars in excessive fine. And if that is not excessive, how about this? Let's break it down this way. Something like $87,000 a day he's going to owe in interest. This is yet another violation of Donald Trump's constitutional rights. And therefore, all of our rights are in jeopardy. If it can happen to a former president, it can happen to anybody. All right, now this. What should the president do, though? What well, should he I do think the unilaterally? President should continue to do what he's doing. He's speaking with clarity, moral clarity, forcefully. The vice president speaking with moral clarity, forcefully all across this country. Do you believe that Democrats are underestimating Trump no. in this moment, his strength no. potentially in a well, general election? I think he's election? weakness masquerading as strength. I, I think he's more unhinged. He's, more, he's less interesting than he was even a few years ago. 76% of voters say they have real concerns about President Biden's ability to serve a second term. 
Do you think it's responsible for Democrats to put him at the top of the ticket, given those concerns? Responsible. I revere his record. I, I mean, this, what he's done in three years has been a masterclass. He's got an extraordinary record. He's doing everything he needs to do on Ukraine at the moment. He's doing everything he needs to do uh, to reconcile and wrestle some common sense as it relates to a bipartisan approach to address the issue of the border. It's because of his age that he's been so successful. It's because of Gavin Newsom's hair and his 170-pound frame that he is taking at all seriously by interviewers in Washington, D.C. This is ludicrous. This is pathological. He said that Joe Biden is speaking with clarity. He says that Kamala Harris is speaking with clarity. He says that Donald Trump, after being indicted four times, is weak, yet he's beating Joe Biden in the polls. No matter how good this guy looks, that's it. It's the hair and it's the suits. Never forget, this guy introducing himself to the country is a total, if he's not lying, he's just totally out of touch. It's about time they step up, don't you think? Instead of going on a two-week vacation. Two weeks. They're walking away. Two weeks. What are they thinking? What is he thinking, Joe Biden? He's always angry, uh, this time at Republicans, for not giving him the billions of dollars he wants for Ukraine fast enough. We've been doing this for two years. He should be a bit more concerned about, well, this stuff. Take a look at our military's recruiting situation. Uh, white recruitment. I've never, quite frankly, seen it broken down quite like this, but white recruitment is reported to be way off in the Air Force, the Army, the Navy, and the Marine Corps. White people not signing up like they used to, black people not signing up like they used to. The military has become kind of a confusing mess. Uh, we are joined now by two veterans. First, Lieutenant Colonel Matt Lohmeyer. He really distinguished himself in front of the um, House Oversight Committee and talking about problems within the military these days. And Will Tebow, defense policy at the Claremont Institute. He's also a veteran of the U.S. Army. He was a uh, uh, part of the 75th Ranger Regiment. Welcome to you both. Uh, first to you, Matt, how worried should we be about these numbers? And I've never quite seen them broken down along racial lines like that. We should be very concerned. Thanks for having me on. We should also uh, point something out. I just read a statistic earlier today that white progressives are the least likely to volunteer for military service and our all-volunteer force. And by the way, we're at the 50th anniversary of our country's all-volunteer force, and we have the lowest recruiting numbers of any year on record. And that doesn't surprise any one of us who have been paying attention for the past several years. White progressives are the least likely to volunteer for military service, and yet our senior military leaders are seeking uh, out white progressive ideologues to bring them in to um, interact with and to teach and to train our, our active duty service members and also involve them in uh, the imaging and how we project our, our services and our recruiting videos. And it doesn't just continue to turn away that particular audience that is white progressives, white conservatives as well that uh, completely disagree with the white progressive worldview are also turned away from military service. When you start to propagandize the military workplace with a leftist worldview, I was just spending time last week with military veterans and their families out in Texas as a part of a film project that I'm working on. And I got to hear uh, real-time feedback from these families about the reasons 
that they are disinclined from recommending service to the next generation. And it's precisely because of the uh, ideological worldview that's being pushed by the Biden regime and the Lloyd Austin uh, Defense Department. So we really have to remove ourselves from this game of politics if we'd like to begin to appeal to all races, all political uh, makeups, uh, and, and people of various backgrounds who otherwise would have been inclined to military service. Wow. Will, what are your thoughts? And if you can include this, how much blame goes to uh, the generals and the admirals who, uh, you know, let's face it, not everybody understands this, but to become a general or an admiral, uh, I don't know if you have to be a good leader. You've got to be a really good follower, though. Um, please take it over. Yeah, Greg, this is the direct effect of military policy that's been on the books under both Republican and Democrat administrations for way too long. There are race quotas and multiple organizations within the military, and this is what happens. When you place a premium on diversity, you also place a premium on reducing a certain percentage of different races and different sexes in order to meet arbitrary guidelines that have nothing to do with the military profession. So this shouldn't be surprising to no one, but of course, it's a surprise to all of us because we've been kept in the dark about these policies that are signed, and to your point, not by DEI officials or Pentagon bureaucrats, but by generals and admirals who are doing what they think is best for their career. And that is marching to the beat of a corporate or university drum while they're wearing a uniform. And so they deserve a lot of scrutiny and a lot of blame and, and I think there need to be some terminations considered. But Republicans in the Senate in particular have a duty to scrutinize the generals and admirals who are being promoted to lead at higher echelons of the service. So let's not look to someone else. There are people within the Republican Party and within the so-called conservative movement who have the ability to change this. And we need to hold legislators' feet to the fire and God willing a new administration's feet to the fire to make sure that the people and the policies change, so this stops. Wow, um, thank you for that. And uh, Matt, back to you. <laughs> you guys are talking about it, we're having this conversation here. Are the right people in government, I mean, are there, a, it seems like we should be on red alert right now, and I don't think we are. Here's my biggest concern, Greg. We've got real threats in the world. We try and train our military troops to those threats, depending on what their, their expertise is and what their mission happens to be. We've also got domestic enemies. Hopefully, you're able to depoliticize the military workplace to a sufficient degree to allow the partisan uh, political bickering and discourse to occur outside of the military workplace and allow our military troops to focus exactly on whatever their mission is that they're supposed to be an expert in. But unfortunately, under this regime and under Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin in particular, there are policies in place, as Will has mentioned, that are requiring our troops to be propagandized. Just last uh, week or the week before at the United States Air Force Academy, we had the United CEO as an invited speaker at the National Character and Leadership Symposium that's hosted there at the Air Force Academy. Uh, recently, uh, just prior to his invitation to come and speak there, he was um, he was going viral on social media for crawling around in drag on a, on a stage somewhere, and now he's invited to speak to the troops. We had a transgender Space Force colonel who's invited as a guest speaker at the National Character Leadership Symposium. Our senior leaders are, are messaging the troops and these uh, future officers about what it is that they value, what it is that the party line is, what's acceptable in the current regime, 
And unfortunately for our troops, they're not allowed to say, hey, I disagree with this. Mm -hmm. This uh, this smacks of, of, of political partisanship. This is against my values. And to do so, if they stand up and do that, well, they're to be outed as uh, politically partisan, as enemies of the regime. Unfortunately, we got to go. I hope you two, you two gentlemen, Matt and Will, will consider senior Pentagon positions in the Trump administration. And I hope there is one. And I think you guys would be fabulous. Uh, assistant secretaries, deputy secretaries, undersecretaries or secretaries. Uh, Will Tebow and Matt Lohmeyer, thank you. And we'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Carson. I have been eager to tell you about Factor Meals. Remember this. There are a ton of meal services that require you to assemble the ingredients, and that's all fine. But time is such a valuable commodity. Why not have excellent chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered to your door? Factor has 35 different options a week to choose from. My wife and I love them. My son has a new place. He loves them. Options include calorie smart, vegan, veggie. How about turkey chili with zucchini, sun-dried tomato chicken, tomato goat cheese cavatappi pasta. Most microwave meals are frozen and they look like crappy airline food, not Factor meals. Factor has two-minute meals that are ready to eat whenever you are. I love their smoothies and their shots, especially their ginger cayenne shot. Gets me going every day. It's a rush. No prep, no mess. Factor Meals are ready to heat and eat. Head to factormeals.com slash Newsmax50. Use promo code Newsmax50. Get 50% off. Factormeals.com slash Newsmax50 and get 50% off. Factormeals.com slash Newsmax50. Okay, so that's Lakin Riley. Uh the young woman, 22 years old, a nursing student at the University of Georgia who was murdered, killed by blunt force trauma to the head. Uh, the suspect is in custody right now, Jose Antonio Ibarra. He was here illegally, although, my goodness, during his stay in the country, which was facilitated, I believe, by Homeland Security and, and uh, authorities here in New York City, he was given all kinds of free stuff and kind of almost escorted around the country. I hope that this is a wake-up call, but I, I fear that it is not. We are joined by Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council, and he was a Border Patrol agent himself for over 20 years. Brandon, uh, welcome back. And uh, I'm sensing that this is not the wake-up call it must be and should be for the government. Uh, but maybe for even people on the left, uh, do you say, what's your sense on the inside of the government and outside of the government? Is this a, is this a moment? So I do think for some people it is a moment. It's not a moment for Joe Biden, and he, it can't be. He's already boxed himself in a corner. If he were to implement the policies tomorrow that you and I both know he could implement, it would prove that he's been a liar for the last three years. It would prove that he's the one that caused this, this chaos. It would prove that Jose Ibarra didn't have to be here and Lake and Riley would be alive today. He's, unfortunately, because he's boxed himself in that corner, he's going to continue to throw his hands in the air. He's going to continue to blame everybody but himself and it's going to be unfortunate because for the next eight at, at a minimum eight and a half months we're going to continue to deal with this chaos um all right so it's possibly 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 what are the steps that donald i'm sorry joe biden could take you know that he doesn't need a massive omnibus uh, bill to do he he could just do it right now you remain in mexico is one what else? The concrete things he could do in like a matter of three hours. 
So, so you're absolutely correct. He does not need legislation. What he needs to do is he needs to renegotiate remain in Mexico with the Mexican government. Uh, he, he's not going to be willing to do that because he campaigned against that. So what he has to do is he has to challenge Flores, get rid of this court decision that says that we cannot hold children in custody and hold people in custody pending their deportation and asylum proceedings. If he were to do that, the, then this flow of people that are coming to our borders would stop. That has been proven time and time again, most recently of course, with President Trump when he implemented Remain in Mexico. That is, it's, it's that simple, Greg. That's all he needs to do. What are Border Patrol agents telling you? What are they telling you right now? Uh, look, we're upset. We're mad. Every single one of us, every single day that they put that uniform on and go out and patrol the border, they are extremely frustrated knowing that we cannot protect the American people. When we see things like Lake and Riley, when we hear about everything that happens, we feel it we, because we know it's on us. We know that that individual was in our custody. We know that that individual should have been removed. But we also know that because Biden is ordering us to release those individuals and because the Supreme Court said that he could, we ultimately have to follow that, hit those orders. And it is very upsetting and frustrating to every single one of us. Uh, he's going to the border on uh, Thursday. Joe Biden is. I know Donald Trump is, but it's, you know, he's been going. He's, he, he goes not just uh, when he's on the eve of an election like, like Joe Biden. What do you make of that trip, that proposed trip? So I, I think it's hilarious that he's doing this when he found out that President Trump, that the decision from President Trump came on Friday that he was going to go. And of course, that got leaked out and, and Biden found out about it. So he put in motion on Saturday this trip to Brownsville. But where he's going, that's not the area that he needs to go. You know, we're going to see him go and whimper and blame everybody else except for himself in a friendly confine. He's going where, where it's friendly. Where Donald Trump is going is he's going to where all of the chaos exists. He He's going to see exactly what was done, how infrastructure works. He's going to see how his policies helped everything that we were able to do. And he's going to be able to look and see how he can expand upon those policies. Whereas Joe Biden's going to friendly territory. He's going to throw his hands in the air and he's going to blame everybody but himself. Where is that? Where is it? Where is it going again? Brown, Brownsville, Texas which is at the southern point. What's so, why, it, it, why is that friendly area? That's, a, that's like the southernmost point in the continental United States. Why is that friendly? Because it's Democrat or is there not much of a problem down is. there? It is. It, it, it's a Democrat district. And, and also in the Rio Grande Valley, we just haven't seen the activity that we had seen in the past for, for at least two years now. If he really wanted to go where everything is going, he would go to, to Eagle Pass, Texas, or he would come to um, Tucson, Arizona, where I'm at, or he would go to San Diego, California. I can personally tell you that Trump sent his advance team out to, to Arizona, that he looked at Arizona and he's looked at Shelby Park. He has done all of the research. Biden has not. Brandon Judd, we so appreciate it. Uh, you and uh, the National Border Patrol Council. To be continued, sir, and we'll be right back. You know, and I do it tomorrow, I'd say we're having an election tomorrow. Henry, is there anything you can do? I want to start off because right from the beginning. So that's uh, Donald Trump, who just won. Uh, uh, well, we projected to be the winner of the South Carolina primary right at closing and, and went right to the microphone. So that's primary night, Saturday night. They have all their big anchors in, all their uh, fancy studios and graphics. It's a big night, South Carolina. 
and they cut Trump off in the middle of his speech. That was uh, MSNBC. How long did they let Trump speak? Four minutes of a 23 minute. It's a no brainer. Traditionally, you let the candidates speak, especially when they just won. And they all did this, some worse than others. ABC News, they aired one minute of Donald Trump's speech before getting out, dumping out. CNN, let's see, 10 minutes of a 23-minute speech. What were they in such a rush to get out for? So they could talk about his speech. So they could talk about Trump at that great big silly table with 50 people around it. Crazy stuff. And now I got to talk about Jake Sullivan, the guy sitting down. He's the national security advisor to Joe Biden. But yesterday on the Sunday shows, and he was out there making the case for the Ukraine war, he wasn't making the case for Joe Biden. In fact, he didn't even bring the guy up. We are looking at some setbacks, including in recent days, because Ukraine didn't have enough ammunition. It comes down to basic arithmetic. We need money to be able to provide the weapons to Ukraine. We don't have the money. Only Congress can provide the money. I've personally gone up and briefed the speaker and other members. Uh, Secretary Austin, Secretary Blinken, our intelligence community have all gone up. We've laid out in writing how we look at the strategy for Ukraine to prevail and for Russia to fail in this. We've gotten good feedback. We have answered and engaged on the questions relative to the strategy. We are gonna be vigilant about that and we will engage the Congress on a bipartisan basis. Okay, Austin's involved, Blinken's involved, we are involved. Where the hell is Joe Biden in all of this? No mention. He's the president's national security advisor. Doesn't bring him up. He came up once, kind of obliquely. Watch this. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday announced that he will convene a cabinet meeting at the beginning of this week to approve the operational plans for action in Rafah, including the evacuation, he says, of the civilian population there. Has the president seen this plan? Has he been briefed on it? He has not. And beyond that, Kristen, we have been very clear about our view here. And that's it. It's back to we and Secretary Austin and Blinken. Uh, why is he doing that? Well, because Joe Biden is clearly not involved and this guy's head is getting pretty big. I'll be right back. Newsmax Plus, have you checked it out yet? It's awesome. Hundreds of thousands of people are signing up. You gotta go to NewsmaxPlus.com and you'll get everything Newsmax you could ever want. Newsmax, Newsmax 2, our archival footage, all the Trump rallies, specials with John Voigt, uh, documentaries you can't get anywhere else, all right? It's very easy to sign up. It's free, free trial. So uh, check it out, okay? And check out my younger daughter, Madeline, having fun once again. Pop up the volume, please. It's a frozen uh, themed attraction. I didn't go to this one. Frozen. They're still crazy about Frozen. The movie came out 20 years ago, it seems like. Love you, girls. I'll see you tomorrow.